This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for December 19th. Today we celebrate Blessed Pope Urban V. In 1362, the man elected Pope declined the office. When the cardinals could not find another person among them for that important office, they turned to a relative stranger, the holy person we honor today. The new Pope Urban V proved to be a wise choice. A Benedictine monk and canon lawyer, he was deeply spiritual and brilliant. He lived simply and modestly, which did not always earn him friends among clergymen who had become used to comfort and privilege. Still, he pressed for reform and saw to the restoration of churches and monasteries. Except for a brief period, he spent most of his eight years as Pope living away from Rome at Avignon, seat of the papacy from 1309 until shortly after his death. He came close but was not able to achieve one of his biggest goals, reuniting Eastern and Western churches. As Pope, Urban continued to follow the Benedictine rule. Shortly before his death in 1370, he asked to be moved from the papal palace to the nearby home of his brother so he could say goodbye to the ordinary people he had so often helped. The new Saint of the Day app is available now for your smartphone or tablet. From Franciscan Media... This has been Saint of the Day. I'm Father Richard Kunst with a Papal Minute. There's been a long history of anti-popes, men who have claimed to be the rightful elected pontiff when in fact they were not. Although it has been several centuries since we have seen a serious claim of an anti-pope, papal elections called conclaves are to this day influenced by the danger of an anti-pope. Pope Alexander III established the rule that for papal elections, the winning candidate has to receive at least two-thirds majority of participating cardinals' votes. Pope Alexander initiated this rule to stave off the threat of a minority of cardinals setting up a rival pope. This attempt failed miserably. The majority of anti-popes came after Alexander III's time, but to this day, a two-thirds of the vote is needed for a man to secure the papacy, just to make sure we don't have any new anti-popes running around. This has been your Papal Minute. To learn more, visit papalartifacts.com. That is papalartifacts.com. Did you know you can listen to Real Presence Live anytime on any podcast platform? Just search for Real Presence Radio on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and on the Real Presence Radio website. Then subscribe so you don't miss any future shows. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating so other people can find us as well. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Well, on the... Going into the last break, you were listening to O Sacrum Convivium, and that was by the Capella Liturgical Choir from the University of Mary. And we want to thank Dr. Rebecca Raber, the director, for being on with us, and uh, one of their choir members and a student, Mary Sherber. And uh, I hope uh, we can have them on again and maybe even play some more of their music. I thought that was... Uh, inspirational i guess at beth at at least so but anyway with that dream do you have a joke queued up for us yet oh i think she's I scrambling for her that. phone she's scrambling for her phone yes 
incidentally, for our listeners who don't know, we're in new studios here with Real Presence Live in a new building in the south end of Fargo in the Butler building. And uh, I guess since we're still in the first week, we can still say we're on the shakedown cruise, so we're still battling a few little gremlins here and there, as you might have noticed with uh, some of our communications. But uh, that's okay. It's just part of the fun, and uh, we're doing all right and feeling good, and we're happy that we're on the air and bringing you this uh, this uh, this programming that we have today. And I think uh, you're in for a treat. We have, uh, well, coming up now, first of all, Doreen's... Home. <laughs> joke. Nicely joke. And then we'll introduce our next guest. What did Adam say on the day before Christmas? What did Adam say on the day before Christmas? Uh, it's Christmas Eve. You got it, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay. All right, let's get into our Okay, well, can I tell the guest? joke? Let's talk okay. about our next guest because I'm really excited for everything. <laughs> oh, she she's worried I'm going to tell an inappropriate joke. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Okay, we have Emily Malloy with us. Emily, are you there? Well, <laughs> okay. Well, then we okay, do have like, time for your like, joke, Like Jack. we said about the gremlins, they're they're at work. Uh, okay, here, here is the joke. What happens when you cross, when you mix holy water with, uh, I think it's cod liver oil. A religious movement. She's not well, laughing. Well, that wasn't. <laughs> She's not laughing. Okay, that was borderline inappropriate. Okay. <laughs> Um, I have one from a friend named Doug. Oh, Doug. Yes. Okay. He said, um, a rabbi, a priest, and a minister walk into a bar. The bartender looks up and says, what is this, a joke? <laughs> <laughs> that's Doug. That's, okay. That's cute. I like it. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Doug. <laughs> okay. Um, we're talking. Okay. I think we've got the Emily. Yes. How are you? Oh, there Good we morning. go. Oh, Yay. nice to Good have morning. you. <laughs> Where are you, Emily? I live in Natchez, Mississippi. Oh, wow. Boy, the other end of the world from us. Yes. We're up here yes. in Fargo, North Dakota. Yes. <laughs> oh, nice to have you on. Would you um, introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us Absolutely. them a little bit about why you are going to, what you're going to share on, on our Real Presence Live this morning? Absolutely. So my name is Emily Malloy. Uh, I, as I had just mentioned, I live, he, I live here in Mississippi with my husband and our four kids. I'm originally, we're both originally from the Pennsylvania area. Um, and I am the food and floral design editor at theologyofhome.com. And so I recently published uh, a book, my first book actually, but the fourth in the series for Theology of Home. And it's called Theology of Home for Arranging the Seasons. Well, uh, before we get into uh, Theology of Home 4, can you give us a little background on Theology of Homes 1 through 3? Absolutely. So Project Theology of Home uh, was founded by Carrie Grass and Noel Maring, um, who each have their own you know, projects that they do and that they write about, but they came together and created um, this project with the idea of helping people within the home um, prepare themselves for our eternal home. And so there is a website and there is an email of like a curated sort of style email of interesting reads, but also they created um, a book series. And books one through three um, are written by Carrie and Noel, and they are have different themes. The first one is just very much a very broader theme um, about the home 
and lots of different little reflections, um, taking different themes of, of home life um, and working in quotes from saints and authors and, and other notable individuals um, with, with that idea, that intention of uh, being intentional about our homes. And, and in the second uh, installment is about the spirituality, you know, digging a lot deeper into, you know, that which is is not seen, right, the heart of the home. And then the third is a really interesting book. Um, it's called At the Sea, and it really draws upon the rich um, um the rich history of, of the water as it relates to the church, um, and b- biblically, and also just different things with, with Our Lady, um, as we've seen since. So, um, and there, and I make a small cameo in, in the third book. I have a, a little piece that's included. And then the fourth book, um, they had said that it was going to be my project. So that is, and then the fourth book is all about the garden. Oh, beautiful. Who is, who is the intended, the intended, um, audience or uh, receivers that you have in mind for these books? Well, it is mostly we have women in mind, but of course, you know, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories of husbands and brothers and dads picking up books and, and through it. I actually heard a story of a woman whose um, father is a deacon and, you know, he picked up her, her book, um, uh, Theology of Home 4 and some through it, and he's an avid gardener and said, oh, he was a farmer as well. And said, you know, can you order me this for Christmas? Wow! <laughs> um, the, the the intention, you know, we're we're looking to women, looking to serve women, um, because there's just so much noise out there, and it, you can get pulled in all directions as it comes to the home. But it just really is about bringing um, bringing meaning to to the things that we do in our home. So, you know, women of all ages, in in all vocations, in all states of life. You know, whether you're an empty nester or you're in the throes of, of diapers um, or even, uh, you know, an engaged woman or, you know, a single woman, it, it, will, um, it will appeal to all. So they turned you loose in the garden, so to speak, and gave you volume oh four. <laughs> uh, yes, is oh that, my goodness. Is that because it was, a, is, is gardening a particular interest of yours? Well, I actually have a background in um, as a florist, so uh, I want to say I'm, I, the, the exact month, I want to say it was 2021, um, in the beginning of the year, Carrie and Noel brought me on to um, sort of fill a creative void in the project and to, to really start um, doing, um, you know, sort of... Um, particular writing for their website to help there. And then with the, the hope was eventually, you know, do a little bit in book three. And then, you know, it was going to be more of a team effort for book four. And we were kind of mulling around all of these different ideas of, of what Theology of Home 4 was going to look like, sort of as the three of us writing together as they've, you know, worked as a team in writing before. And then it wasn't until Christmas of 2021 when we were just kind of, you know, putting things on hold and just thinking and praying for the Lord to lead. Um, it was really Carrie's idea to say, you know what, the book needs to be about flowers. And I think Emily's name needs to be on the spine, which was a little bit of a shock. <laughs> I thought, oh my goodness, this is not, you know, what I thought I had only really, you know, written for them. And I have a background in food writing as well. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've never done this. I've never published. Um, but they're the best two mentors a gal could possibly dream of. And so they really just, guided me through this whole process and um and were just invaluable in the whole thing so my background is as a floral designer um i started working 10 years ago in a flower shop 
and then eventually became a stay-at-home mom. And I found gardening because I realized I wouldn't be able to play with flowers all the time <laughs> anymore mm-hmm. um, in the flower shop. So I realized if I, you know, I didn't have the budget to necessarily go to a flower shop and get flowers and come home and play. So I realized I was going to have to learn how to grow everything at home. So that is really where the gardening began. And what was fascinating, the Lord revealed a lot to me in the process as a florist of just being beguiled by beauty and seeing as, you know, how important the flower is just to the, the human person. But it wasn't until I was really getting my hands in the dirt that I could see that there was something extremely providential um, to the point of, of, of human beings and, and our time in the garden. That's a, it's just a beautiful um, explanation of how you came to be a, a part of this. You know, how God uses experiences we have and then directs them mm-hmm. to, um, to actually really, this is about spreading the gospel um, with yeah. flowers. Can you talk a little, Emily, about um, flowers and how they can best be used within a home uh, and how they can enhance the home? Absolutely. I think what is so special about flowers is that it's a bridge to the outside, right? It's this bridge to the garden um, that, you know, bringing in that which we love about the outside and what I found about flowers and plants and, you know, all of these different, um, you know, types of materials is that they allow us to be recollected when we see it, right? You know, we're in the harried state of our lives doing whatever it is that we're doing. And when we see that little vase with flowers in it, it could be, you know, several flowers in a big arrangement or even just a little um, flower, a single stem in a bud vase we are completely changed in that moment because we pause, right? We pause, we look, and then it's sometimes in, in those moments, that's when we add to break in, right? You know, we're doing, 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 cleaning, you know, running out the door. But as we see that beautiful item, that, that thing of beauty, we pause in that moment. And so much can happen in that pause. Now, I, you know, as I kind of differentiate between, um, you know, a single stem and a bud base or a, a large arrangement, you know, I am a big advocate of just keeping it extremely simple. Um, and I think that, you know, just, just a few cut stems that you might find on a walk or bring in from your garden just has that, that ability to um, invigorate us. Um, but also, I also love when people really want to do a, a beautiful flower arrangement by either going out um, to their garden with a pair of snippers or, you know, going to the grocery store or a flower shop and bringing flowers Emily, and coming home I'm, and, you know, yeah. I'm sorry, but we're, we need to um, take a little break. And can you just okay. hold that thought and, and we'll come back to it right after the break. Thank you. Okay, take it to the break, and we will be right back. We're talking with Emily Malloy and uh, talking about her theology of the home for and uh, kind of arranging the seasons. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Di Filippis of St. Luke Productions. What the Magi Learned Going into the house, the Magi saw the child. Outwardly, their journey was now over. 
But at this point, a new journey began for them, which changed their whole lives. Deep within themselves, they felt prompted to go in search of the true justice that can only come from God, and they wanted to serve this king, to fall prostrate at his feet, and to play their part in the renewal of the world. This was where their inner journey began. It started at the very moment when they knelt down before this child and recognized him as the promised king. But they still had to assimilate these joyful gestures internally. They had to change their ideas about power, about God and about man, and in so doing, they also had to change themselves. They had to learn to give themselves. No lesser gift would be sufficient for this king. But they had to learn that their lives must be conformed to this divine way of exercising power, to God's own way of being. They must become men of truth, of justice, of goodness, of forgiveness, of mercy. They will have to ask, how can I serve God's presence in the world? They must learn to lose their life and in this way to find it. Having left Jerusalem behind, they must not deviate from the path marked out by the true King as they follow Jesus. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Okay, welcome back, listeners. You're listening to Real Presence Live with Jack and Doreen Canelli as your hosts. And we're talking to Emily Malloy, who is the author of Theology of Home, uh, Volume 4, Arranging the Seasons. And we're talking a lot about gardening and flowers and decorating. And uh, I know a question I've got for you, Emily, is uh, now that we're kind of in the Advent and Christmas season, what kind of... uh, tips would you have for people as far as uh, you know decorating and maybe even more so uh, in anticipation of the new year what kind of tips do you have or takeaways can you give us absolutely I think one of the most beautiful ways of decorating um, you know I, I usually begin toward the end of advent and you know I'm really ramping up now as we're gearing up for Christmas is you know, you go for a walk outside, either in your garden or, you know, anywhere, and you look to see what sort, what's green right now, in particular, depending on where you are. Uh, things <laughs> might be more green for me in Mississippi than in North Dakota, but evergreens are always green, right? <laughs> just cut, a, cut a few sprigs of those evergreens and tuck them um, behind things that you have hanging on your wall, icons, photos of your family, um, you know, any, any little, tuck them into your chandelier. And it's a super simple way um, of making little festive touches and obviously not cost prohibitive in any stretch of the imagination, but it's so impactful. And I think it, you know, when you see it, it really just changes your disposition, you know, and and I love that. And another few little simple things is I love um, cutting oranges down and putting them in the oven to dehydrate on a very low temperature and tucking those into those sprigs of evergreens, kind of poking it through. And it's just so simple and festive and, you know, easy cleanup as well. Uh, but I definitely think 
Um, placing greenery and berries around your nativities is another really beautiful, fun way to make it stand out in the home and, and draw us back to the point and purpose of, of why it is that we're preparing our homes and hearts this season. Could you go back to the, your um, suggestion with the oranges and explain that just yes. one more time? That's intriguing Absolutely. to me. I've never, I've never yes. heard of that before. Yeah, so that's a very old, you know, if you think of, you know, um, goodness, 100 plus years ago. So it's something that we did in my home growing up and it's a fun thing that I love to do in our home now. Um, so you just take an orange and you slice it to, um, I would say, about a quarter of an inch thick. And you just, you know, make these vertical disc slices. And then you place them either if you have a like a separate dehydrator, um, you can put it in there for uh, maybe six or so hours on a, on a low temperature. You, you're looking around 160, 170, or you can put it in your oven. And the home is extremely fragrant at that point, mm. which is lovely. But when they're dehydrated, you know, they don't um, attract bugs or do any of those sort of things, and they don't go bad. And so you can either, you know, get a needle and thread and string it as a garland, which is um, one of my favorite things to do. Or sometimes I just pop it in the advent wreath or in the sprigs that are around the house. Um, or some people will put um, ornament hooks on them and put them on their trees. It's just a really easy and super fragrant. And um, it's just really beautiful against the green, uh, against the green of the greenery that you have around your home. Oh, thank you. I'm going to try that. That's yeah, nice. do it. <laughs> Yes, uh, our tree is basically decorated with edibles so that we don't have to put anything away other than the lights at the end of Christmas. Lovely. <laughs> by, by edibles, he I means chocolate. We mean chocolate, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Glorious idea. Yes. I may have to do that next year, but put it at the top of the tree so kids can't reach it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, and then other suggestions for um, ways in which we can bring those that life into our homes through flowers and, and plants, particularly um, in preparation for for Christmas. Absolutely. So, you know, depending on where you live, um, there can be, um, you know, things readily available outside. But for us here in Mississippi, we do get one last winter bloom of roses, which I feel like is just so poetic, you know, particularly when you think of the different hymns like Lo, How a Rose yes. are Blooming. And, and um, camellias are... Um, also starting to bloom. So it's really fun to bring those in. But one thing that, you know, I think people don't always think of anymore are, you know, the uh, hollies and the red berries that way. You know, that's a really great thing to bring in. But also, you know, a fun thing to think of is in preparation for the new year as well. And I think, you know, right now is a really fun time to kind of look online, um, you know, while things are end-of-year sales and whatnot, and start collecting seeds and maybe dedicating just a teeny plot of, of, your, of your ground um, to just throw seeds and see what beauty comes so that you can have a house full of flowers in the coming year. Well, that's a wonderful suggestion. And... Um we have to wait a few months in North Dakota <laughs> to yes. put that. We get those little plastic cups. Yeah, that's right. We, that's, yes. that's another thing you can do in North Dakota. Is, yes, just start. Just have little little starters. Well, what what about for the new year? Is there anything specific to the new year or Easter that you kind of uh, you could throw out some hints? Absolutely. So forest bulbs are a very popular thing. So there's a lot of amaryllis and paper whites. 
Um, now, paper whites um, hold special significance for me here. I always loved them when I worked in the flower shop, and I never n- realized that it could grow. I mean, I knew that it grew naturally outside, but I guess it just never occurred to me. And since we moved down here, we moved down here at the end of 2020, and all of a sudden, at the start of the new year, I saw all this all this obviously bald um, foliage kind of coming up, and I thought, I wonder what that is. And during the week of Christmas, opened up all of these paper whites, and I just have completely fallen in love with them and associate that with Christmas and the new year. And I realize a lot of people force those bulbs in their house as well. So that was something that I, we just received in the shop sort of, you know, ready to go that I didn't know that that was um, a great practice. Obviously poinsettias uh, are a fabulous way of bringing in sort of that, that cheer and that Christmas color in the home. Um, and I just, again, you know, thinking of, amaryllis bulbs and forcing um and then easter of course um is all about hyacinths and all of those bulbs now i would say my my favorite tip that i share with people as it comes to easter flowers because that's something that's very common you know people will buy um the easter flowers if you think you know wrapped in sort of that paper to bring home either from the store or as a hostess to save them and put them once they're done blooming put them in the ground and they'll come up again next year, and you'll get to enjoy it year after year. And same with um, tulips and daffodils and all of those fun things. Do they when they when they when you do that, do they come up looking the same? Does the flower look the same? After? Yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, yes. Yeah. And and you know sometimes depending on um, like if you think of um, certain flowers have the tendency of evolving over time. When you mm-hmm. think of like different pollinators. Um, which is also a really fun process. If you, like I, people think of zinnias, you throw down a bunch of zinnias, and if you let them go to seed and drop to the ground or collect their stems, you may have really interesting colors the following year based off of, you know, sort of the hybridization that will take place um, at the, you know, with the bees. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's such a beautiful reminder of, yes, fertility and, and God's love for yeah. us. Well, yeah. You know, another fun thing people can do is look up what the, the symbolism of the various flower, flowers and plants they have in the house. Because I know in the Middle Ages, just about every flower, plant, and animal had some sort of symbolic meaning whenever you would see it in yeah. art. And that could be a fun thing to do at the same time. Yeah. And it's funny. It's a cult, it's, 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 it spans different cultures. When we worked in the flower shop, we did a Hindu funeral um, and they were adamant that we didn't use dahlias because it, it symbolically meant something horrible. And I think in our modern culture, that's something we've gotten away from. But in Victorian England, for example, it was flowers communicated a whole meaning of things. And there's a lot of really interesting books out there called The Language of Flowers um, that tells us the different meanings of, of the flowers that are out there. And of course, so many had a Marian background. Um, and a lot of the names had a Marian name that has since kind of, um, you know, simplified. Like marigold used to be Mary's gold, and foxgloves were Our Lady's gloves. Um, so there's just a, a really beautiful link between flowers and Our Lady. Right. I guess you gotta you gotta watch out for the meetings for the uh, various flowers. I guess when you're buying yeah. them for mm-hmm. somebody that you care about, mm-hmm. unless they will look it up and kind of attribute that <laughs> to your intention in giving it to them. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Not that I want to discourage men from giving flowers to their wives. I say do it with abandon, then you can only explain. <laughs> oh, those are old. Those are old conventions. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That would be a really great thing <laughs> for husbands to give flowers in, <laughs> in abandon. Yes, yeah, that's to right. Their wives. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think I just got a hint there. <laughs> no, it wasn't a hint. I think so. Very direct. I think so. <laughs> yes. No, I just love flowers. Okay. We've I, got... Go ahead, Dream. Oh, I was just going to... Okay, two minutes. Um, gardens in in uh, the Bible, you know, from the beginning, Eden, um, Gethsemane, where Jesus um, suffered and prayed. And um, can you speak a little bit about how gardening can bring us as human closer to God. Absolutely. I think it's multifaceted. You know, you touch upon how in biblical history and salvation history, what an important role the garden has played. And I think there is something innate in us that it always draws us back to the garden and back to nature. You know, even secular people recharging nature. And I think that comes from our beginnings, that we were made to live in the garden. We were made to tend the garden and reside there with our Lord. And I think... um, so much of what happens in the garden also informs us in our own spiritual lives, uh, you know, when you look at the cyclic nature of everything. But I think the big thing that the garden gives us is that, as I had mentioned earlier, that forced pause in which we put all of those distractions aside and allow God to break in. The forced pause, that is so beautiful. It, those are things we do need to be more conscious about in, yes. our, in then, our lives. Unfortunately, we have a forced pause coming up on us <laughs> with the break. <laughs> but we do have time, Emily, for you to tell our listeners where can they get your book. Absolutely. So the book is available at canbooks.com and also at our Theology of Home Mercantile. So you go to theologyofhome.com and you can snag. I know that it's sold out at the warehouse. So I'm not sure if it is available at TAN, but you can definitely still get some copies at theologyofhome.com. Very good. Sold out at at the warehouse. That's a good thing. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes, it is. Emily, thanks for being with us today. This has been a fun uh, conversation, and we certainly wish you all the success in the world with the book. Thank you. Thank you. And a blessed end of Advent, and I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas. Yeah, and oh, you too. and you too. Okay, thank stay you, with Emily. us, listeners, uh, on the... Uh, On the other side of the break, we've got Patrick O'Hearn, who's going to talk about his book on Our Lady of Sorrows. So stay with us for more Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. As Catholic people, we recognize our lives are gifts from God. Blessings received are a result of God's grace and goodness. Our Lord entrusts us to be good stewards of His many gifts. We are called to conduct lives that honor Him and bear witness to our faith in Jesus Christ. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio. As we begin a new year, let's reflect a moment on stewardship. Your life should provide an example to others in the way you live your faith, the way you manage your possessions, and the way you plan your estate and personal affairs. You have spent a lifetime acquiring your assets and living your faith. 
Fortunately, we can provide you with an estate planning guide that allows you to put all of your important information in one place and enable you to document your intentions. To request an estate planning guide, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. This is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. I want to share with fellow business owners how underwriting Real Presence Radio has been a tremendous blessing to our clinic. Supporting Real Presence Radio as an underwriter allows me to support the mission and work of the new evangelization and also helps us spread the word about Catholic patient-centered eye care in the Fargo-Moorhead area. We've seen a huge return on investment with new patients who found out about Lumen Vision through RPR. If you're a business owner, I'd highly encourage you to consider underwriting Real Presence Radio. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of RPR, and I hope you will be too. 